Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. It is divisional round week. Specifically, Thursday? I don't really know what day of the week it is. <laughs> what day of the week yes, is it, Beth? Okada, it is Thursday. Um, okay. Just making sure. Are you all right, man? I'm a little worried about you right now. Listen. I texted you a half I, hour ago. I work, you didn't answer me. My work schedule sick. is it's, it's so all over the place. <laughs> I don't know what day it is, so I'm just guessing here. Tomorrow is Friday, because today is Thursday. The day after that is Saturday, which means playoffs are back. Uh, the wildcard round went horrifically for a lot of people, namely me and not only my Patriots who lost, but all four of my picks, which were wrong. Uh, <laughs> that takes skill to do that. Um, and uh, the picks of our uh, my fellow hosts and guests today... I'm pretty sure we're pretty similarly wrong because we agreed on a lot of things. So Betts and Ben Heisler is back. Ben, how are you doing over there despite uh, the rough picks last I, week? I was going to say, I think the only reason that I got invited back on was that all three of us were wrong. If no, yep. if, Who gets invited back onto a podcast after going like 1 for 3 or 0 for 4 and like failing on their props? Like... Anybody, but we all failed collectively as a unit, and that's why we're ready to bounce back this week. Hey, I'll tell you what, though. The one thing really, that hit, Ben, was, was that teaser. It was the Minnesota over. The teaser did the cover, hit so. barely, though. It barely, barely hit, but I was I was fortunate with yeah, that Yeah, that was one. Man, Singletary killed me. That killed me. It was tough. But he had a great game, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so our uh, predictions were rough. Unfortunately for Betts and I, our teams were also rough. Betts, how are you feeling over there? Uh, not well, actually. Um, it's been <laughs> it's been a rough week. But hey, man, when you're playing with Josh McCown in the playoffs, like, what can you expect? When Wentz went out, uh, that was tough for sure. But uh, the team battled, and obviously, you know, it was uh, no one was expecting us to do much anyway. So I feel like we were playing with house money. Uh, it is what it is. I'm still shower crying, so that's where I'm at. <laughs> yep, big facts. Well, we uh, we do have Ben back. Uh, welcome back, Ben. Thank you for rejoining of us course. for another week of playoffs. Absolutely. Uh, very excited to have you back. And hopefully we all do a little better on our uh, predictions this week. Um, so that our listeners can also it's do only... better. Hopefully our DFS stuff was, was good, too. I was going to so. say, we can do a lot better on our picks if we just do straight up and not against the spread. Because it's all true. of these spreads, with the exception of the late game on Sunday, are all above a touchdown or more. So that might help us rein it in a little bit. But, I mean, where's the fun in that? Yeah, seriously. True. It's a bit wild. All right. Well, before we get into that, let's hit on a couple small pieces of news. So we'll actually start with this because it's related to what we were just talking about, and that is a quick update on Tom Brady, um, who posted on Instagram after obviously losing in the wildcard round that he has more left to prove, and the general tone of the post was that he intends to come back for another year. Now, of course, he is a free agent or will be technically in March. So it's a, there is questions of whether it will be in New England or not. Uh, let's see. Ben, I'm going to throw it to you. Just straight up, 
What's your prediction for Tom Brady 2020? He's not going anywhere. I, I think this is a whole thing where Tom Brady can get a little bit of attention on himself and and try and play the game a little bit and see if there's going to be any concessions on the uh, on the Bill Belichick side, and we'll see whether or not Josh McDaniel sticks around. I, I do think if McDaniel's is gone, that could be a major influence in the decision, just because of how in sync they've been for so many years together. I think so much of it is tied into Belichick and Brady, but McDaniel's I think is kind of the wild card here. If he does end up leaving. And, and I can't imagine he leaves for the Cleveland job. It would just be really, really surprising, even though he might have more of a, you know, an upstanding role with the potential front office decisions and, and sort of a GM role there as well. I, I'd be stunned if Tom Brady leaves. It just doesn't make any sense at this point. Just go and uh, improve if you're Nikhil Harry to try and get himself back closer to, you know, top tier wide receiver form. Go and improve at the tight end, the wide receiver spots. Um, and, and then I think all of a sudden we're, we're talking about the Patriots the way that we were talking about them in the first half of the season. So I think it's all a big much to do about nothing for, for Tom Brady leaving New England this offseason. Bets, let me throw this uh, a little dynasty spin Ooh. here. If the Patriots come out and draft a quarterback, let's say in the first two rounds, eh, maybe even in round three, are you going to be interested in that player? Yeah, I mean, for sure. At this point, it's only a matter of time for, for Tom Brady. At this point, I can't really see him signing more than a one-year deal with New England, and honestly, that's probably right. I mean, um, I think personally he's earned the right to kind of dictate when his time is over, but at the same time, he knows and the team knows his best days are clearly behind him. So I don't think he gets more than a one-year deal. And when that happens and they do draft a quarterback, then yes, I am definitely interested in that prospect. Now, we can't forget about Jared Stidham. Of course, he's still on the roster there. He was a rookie last year. Didn't really play much uh, behind Tom Brady, obviously. But yeah, I mean, both those guys, Stidham and whoever they potentially could draft, have to be on your dynasty radar because as we're saying and ben agrees you know the, the end is near for tom uh it's just the reality okada you got to face it uh so yes i am definitely interested in that prospect yeah i 100 percent agree with both you guys i think that the way things ended this season almost dictate his return so i guess that's our silver lining uh but you ben brought up the coaching situation josh mcdaniels and the fact that he will be interviewing or has interviewed, I can't remember. I think it's this weekend he's interviewing. He's going with the in Browns. on Friday. Yeah. So tomorrow yeah. or whatever day this is. Yep. Um, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's probably today, actually, if most of our listeners are listening when this releases. But uh, what it means is that the Browns job is the only one left because we've had several hires since our last podcast. Um, Beth, I'll throw it over to you. We got three new guys since last week when we talked about Ron Rivera. Which one is the most interesting to you? Let's go with that to start us off. Ooh, that's a good question. I feel like the most interesting one to me is the Matt Rule hire there in Carolina because it's almost like Dynasty. Right? Like you as a team, an NFL franchise, like the way we all play, right? It's it's rookie season. It's it's dynasty startup season. Like you want the shiny new thing, the unknown. So I think Rule is the most interesting because we're not sure what he's going to bring to the NFL. Um, obviously, he's known for being able to take a program and turn it around. Yeah, you know, he's done that at Temple. He's done that at Baylor. Has been very successful, and now he gets Carolina, and they have weapons uh, to use. And if he can bring a, a college style offense that actually works in the NFL, I think it's good news for DJ Moore. I think it's great news for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and I think it's actually sneaky good news for Cam Newton. I think if he can get him back up to mm. speed and bring him back to relevance, you know, everyone's left Cam for dead at this point. Uh, and I think that's a big mistake, especially in dynasty formats. So uh, I think Matt Rule is a very interesting hire there uh, in Carolina. 
Ben, any uh, major disagreements there? Are you pretty interested to see how this goes for the fantasy? There's a lot of fantasy assets there, to Betts' point. So are you optimistic? Yeah, I know that podcasts and embracing debate are always so much fun when you're on the same side, but I'm, I'm on the same side as, as, as Betts here. Uh, Matt Rule at the seven-year, $60 million deal coming in after only spending a year coaching in the NFL is is fascinating. Yeah. And everybody's talking about, like, David Tepper as, you know, I, I, I'm trying to remember who it was. I uh, was talking about, you know, he they, they quoted uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Like, he's always, always be closing. I mean, the three of us could have closed that deal if we were offering Matt Rule seven years <laughs> and $60 million. Like, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. And maybe it was closing so that he wouldn't interview with the Giants, which he said was his dream job. But that's... It's fascinating. Yes, the, the track record is there for improvement in every spot. But, um, you know, what? I didn't watch a ton of Baylor football this year, but uh, you could also tell that there's going to be an emphasis on the skill positions. Uh, Matt Rule's really brought a lot of guys up, and, and I think there's a lot to be excited about. And, you know, we were worried that whether or not whoever got hired in Carolina was going to potentially uh, take away what made Christian McCaffrey so effective in North Turner's West Coast style offense. And and I don't think a lot of that is going to change. You brought up DJ Moore. I, I think that's very effective. We'll see if we can get a little bit more consistency out of Curtis Samuel and, and ultimately what happens with Ian Thomas uh, likely t- taking over for Greg Olson at the tight end spot. So I, I think it's a fascinating spot, uh, especially from a, a fantasy perspective. And you're right. You know, I halfway through the season, we were talking about Cam Newton uh, as a Chicago Bear yeah. in 2020, and uh, I don't think that's going to be the case because the Kyle Allen experiment uh, started to fail drastically down the stretch of the season. So there's a lot of skill positions left. You know, Carolina was a team that I really liked coming into the start of the season, and their defense just could not stop the run. Their offense, when dealing with Cam, got hurt. So I, I think they're a prime team, especially playing in a last-place schedule, to not just be a team that has a bounce-back season next year, uh, but also is going to be able to take advantage of some really good matches and, and be very fantasy relevant. I like it. I like it a lot. In fact, I feel like that there should maybe be a more of a trend of considering college coaches now than maybe in the past because of the way that the NFL in general is embracing the college game. Um, and it's working for a lot of teams in different ways. Everyone so, except uh, for the Cowboys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, speaking of which, Mike McCarthy. Woo! That... that <laughs> Yeah, we talked about it last week, I believe, in reference to the Browns. Um, and I think that the overall consensus was not super excited. He now joins the Cowboys. He promises to bring in some analytics stuff, so there's that. I wish we had Kent in to comment. Um, but they certainly seem proud and positive uh, about their hire. Obviously more experience uh, coaching in the NFL than both of these other guys. In fact, than a, the majority of the head coaches in the NFL. Um, so this one's interesting. The team certainly already built for success, have been squandered mightily by Jason Garrett. Um, do you guys feel a little bit better about this maybe than if, about him going to the Browns, or do you think this is going to doom the Cowboys to more mediocrity? I would say in general, I mean, I don't even know how to feel, to be honest with you. Like, I I looked back at, at his records as a coach in the playoffs, etc. So he's 10-8 in the playoffs, uh, almost a 62% win com- uh, win percentage as a head coach in the regular season so he has been productive but the thing that I think you know we need to look towards in terms of um, the way the NFL is going is it is a very very pass happy league and if there's one thing Mike McCarthy does it is abandon the run game I mean his ranks when when you look at the rushing attempts and rushing yardage for his offenses are in the bottom five year after year after year 
and the passing numbers are in the top 10 year after year after year. So um, I actually think it's a kind of a good move from an offensive standpoint perspective as far as what they'll do. I think it's great for Dak in, in fantasy. I think it's great for Amari if they can keep him and actually afford to pay him. Um, and, and I just remember like kind of, you know, two years ago, three years ago with Aaron Jones wanting it to be a thing and, and they did not. So I hope Zeke doesn't get that type of treatment because man, they just paid him a crap ton of money <laughs> and now you might have a coach who may not use him effectively. So I think overall it's an okay hire. I'm definitely not excited about it the way uh, I would have been if it was someone else. You know, obviously at this point in his career, it's kind of a stale feeling, right? It's just, it's good. It's not great. It's, it's fine. Yeah, my perspective on the Mike McCarthy hire is, you know, it's sort of anti-analytics. Like the the, the numbers would indicate that he's had, you know, a, a decent playoff record and he's been effective in as many years in Green Bay. But the, the eye test tells me that this guy's a doofus. <laughs> and I just don't know how that's going to play considering everything happening. Like he, he opened his introductory press conference saying like, yeah, I, I told Jerry Jones that I yes. watched all the film for the 2018 <laughs> season, but I, I didn't watch all the film. And, and Jerry's like laughing his ass off thing oh this guy's quite a character you're gonna really love him and you know on the inside he sort of has that that just burning fire emoji thing going on inside of his eyes and you know I I looked this up too because you were talking about the impact of Mike McCarthy on the passing game you're right the, the numbers have been top 10 for for several years in Green Bay I wonder how much of that was Aaron Rodgers basically saying, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to run that play call that you called in, Mike McCarthy. I'm just going to do something else instead. Um, but the Cowboys did sign Zeke Elliott to the largest running back contract of all time, and now they're hiring a head coach whose offense ranked top 10 uh, in rushing just once in 12 years in Green Bay. So uh, I, I think the concerns about what happens with Zeke's role is absolutely in play. Um, you know, will they consider him more in opportunities to be able to, to get more passes out of the backfield? We'll see. That wasn't necessarily something that McCarthy did quite often either. Um, so I, I think there's some, some major concerns. I, I think Dak put up good numbers from a fantasy perspective. Um, it just didn't really suit anybody and didn't suit the Cowboys in, in being effective. And they're bringing back Kellen Moore as well. So I, I, I don't feel necessarily satisfied by the hire. Um, I think it'll be fun because he wears big heavy jackets indoors and I'll be curious to see if he continues to do that in Dallas for you know 70 degree games I hope so <laughs> yeah he uh I watched his press conference and he was quite a goof I will certainly agree with that he did say that they were going to commit to Zeke um and to be fair they never had a Zeke when he was coaching Green Bay they did have an Eddie Lacy that went you know oh uh, that went the way that it went um, wasted so, so we'll, many first and second round draft picks on Eddie Lacy. Just, I want to pour one out for yep, him. Yep, <laughs> yep. I was in the same boat. Oh man, I miss those days. Not really. Um, okay, so one more uh, coach, and we'll do this guy kind of maybe a little bit more quickly because he's the least interesting on the worst team of the three by far, and that is Joe Judge, Patriots wide receiver and special teams coach, who was hired by the Giants. Uh, overall consensus seems to be good gracious Giants. Why are, do you keep imploding on yourselves and picking Daniel Jones in the top 10 and hiring a special teams coach just because he worked under Bill Belichick, which certainly does feel, uh, like the way it may be going here. However, Ben, I'll start with you. Do you have, uh, do you disagree with the general consensus? Do you feel a little bit better maybe about Joe Judge or does this seem like it's going to doom the Giants to... A long time of struggles. No, I don't 
think Joe Judge is the problem. I, I think the guy hiring Joe Judge is the problem. He, he yep. said, uh, what did Dave Gettleman say in some of his interviews, uh, either, either today or yesterday, that Joe, Joe Judge pointed out that the, the four teams that are currently still in the NFL playoffs led the NFL yep. in rushing, and the four <laughs> teams that led the NFL in passing are not. And all of a sudden, like, that was Gettleman's breakthrough light bulb big idea moment. Like, there's, there's so much more than that. Um, you know, I, I, again, I'm not necessarily super excited about the hire. I, I think if there is one positive to look through is that, you know, if you find a good special teams coordinator and a good special teams coach, like, there's a, a few guys that have had a proven record of success. And notably, uh, you know, John Harbaugh certainly stands out because they're, they're working with everybody on the field. Uh, and so I do think Joe Judge has the potential to be a good coach. I don't know a ton about him, but if you're working on both sides, you're, you're getting experience, um, you know, from a Belichick staff. I think that plays a role. Um, but, you know, then again, I've, I've still been waiting for somebody who is a terrific special teams coach uh, and Dave Tobe for all those years in Chicago and in Kansas City. Uh, we're still waiting on him. And, and basically every coach that he's worked under has given him glowing recommendations. So I don't know whether this is the Giants feeling like they're trying to buck a trend or they're trying to take a young guy or or what it is. I just feel like it's sort of coming from the wrong place when sort of the reality of the position is maybe it's a good hire, but I just don't think it was made for the right reasons. Yeah, I certainly buy it. And I kind of feel like maybe a little bit there is a uh, this there's a reaction to the McVeigh the McVeigh, the McVeigh knockoff hiring spree that happened last year yeah. and the fact that it didn't quite go so well. And so people are kind of reverting to this, oh, well, this guy worked for Bill Belichick uh, strategy. And to be fair, we've got a player, former player, and a former uh, coordinator for Bill Belichick, both still coaching in the playoffs uh, in, in Vrabel and O'Brien. So, you know, there's some success there, but I don't really know if it comes from him. I think there's a little bit of... I think that a lot of people are struggling to hire coaches just based off what the coach can do and are going off of where they've been and so they think that they've learned something from that person that will make them good enough to be head coach. So I certainly hope that's not the case with Joe Judge because um, I would like to see him go succeed having been a Patriots coach, but we will see. That's the that's the coaching situation. There's one spot left, obviously, the Cleveland Browns. There's a number of candidates there, Josh McDaniels certainly being one of them. Uh, I think probably considered one of the front runners at this point. So we'll see how that goes. We talked about it a little last week, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again when someone gets hired. So we'll leave it be there and head over to the playoffs. Uh, before we do, quick note from our sponsor, Trophy Smack. Again, you guys need championship trophies. And if you're going to get a championship trophy, you may as well get a free championship ring to go with it. And that's what you get with Trophy Smack. Because if you use code RedShirts and buy a trophy, you get a free, beautiful, sparkling ring. And you get to flaunt it in all of your league mates' faces. So go check it out. Go to trophysmack.com. Just take a look. Take a gander. It doesn't cost any money to take a gander. <laughs> and if you take a gander, then you'll want to spend your money. And that's a and win for everybody. it doesn't cost so, any money to get a ring. <laughs> no, it does not. Well, it kind of does, but not the money that it normally costs <laughs> if you're buying it straight up. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Let's do it, guys. Let's get into the playoffs. Let's kick it off with the NFC. The Seahawks and the Packers. It is Russell Wilson versus Aaron Rodgers, and I think that that's pretty much the crux of the game, is going to be those two quarterbacks carrying their teams. Now, to be fair, 
this is a, a much different sort of situation than we would have expected from a Seahawks-Packers matchup in years past. Because the Seahawks defense is not very good. The Packers defense, certainly their front seven, is pretty strong. And the Packers have the great run game, obviously, with Aaron Jones and even Jamal Williams. And the Seahawks are running behind a 70-year-old Marshawn Lynch, who, to be fair, scored a touchdown in each of his first two games back with the team. But in general, this kind of feels flip-flopped from the history of this matchup, which is fun. Uh, Over-under at 46, which is decent, but not great. And Green Bay is favored by four-ish. Uh, so let's start with the quarterbacks, because like we said, they're they're kind of the most interesting. Ben, who do you prefer between these two quarterbacks heading into this week from a DFS standpoint? I still prefer Rodgers, and I know that the numbers have not been impressive towards him this year but I, I just still think about the mismatch um, of Seattle secondary against Devontae Adams uh, how Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams can catch plenty of passes out of the backfield um, it's a revenge game for Jimmy Graham if you want to walk down narrative street as well um, there's there's just a lot of intrigue and especially for the Packers at home against Seattle and, and they have an, a game to avenge against Seattle from several years ago when I think uh, Seattle ended up scoring, what, 14 points in, in less than three, four minutes to, to come back, tie the game, and end up stunning Green Bay in overtime um, with both of these quarterbacks at play. I, I think Rodgers is going to want to take some shots downfield, and, and I don't know whether or not that's going to necessarily cover that 46 total. Um, and I know that Seattle's defense has been playing better, too. I, I just think there's enough sample size from this season that would indicate that if Rodgers can connect on deep passes – uh, and he was not good on deep passes uh, in the final stretch of the season. But if he can connect with Devontae Adams, if, if Aldis Cantley can make a play, um, you know, some of the other wide receivers, uh, Lazard, you know, made a great catch down the field in that Monday night game against Minnesota. If Rodgers can connect deep, then I, I think this becomes a blowout. Otherwise, you know, there's going to be trading jabs and the running game is going to be effective on both sides. But um, I, I'm fairly confident that Aaron Rodgers, if he takes deep shots, can, can have a really nice game this uh, on Sunday. That's where do you stand on the quarterback? Yeah, I love that call, and I feel like his price is not really appropriate, especially on DraftKings. I mean, sixty-five hundred dollars. He's he's relatively cheap compared to the other big names, you know, Patrick Mahomes, of course, and Lamar Jackson. So if you're looking to save some money, uh, I love that call, and especially playing at home. You I mean you you look at the splits, uh, yards per pass attempt, six point one on the road, eight point zero at home. Looking at his passer rating, eight eighty nine away, one hundred and one point six at Lambeau. So. The, the thing I love about Rodgers, and Ben kind of hit on it, is the ability to get you know, a few deep compl- completions there. I think he does get that in this game, mostly because of the fact that Seattle has struggled to get after the quarterback. I know they got uh, 40-year-old Josh McCown last week once or twice, uh, but Aaron Rodgers is obviously a little more uh, quick on his feet than, than old man McCown. But 20-3 to touchdown-to-interception ratio when he does not feel pressure in the pocket. So that for me, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to be able to throw all over the Seattle defense. I like him a lot at his cost. All righty, I uh, I don't hate it. I, I buy it a little bit. Um, I think both these quarterbacks might be pretty valuable, so I'm I'm okay with either. Um, but a lot of their value will rely, obviously, on their receivers. Devontae Adams is going to be the number one, obviously. Uh, he's going to be the most expensive, and he's going to be the most uh, bought, probably. But after that, the Seahawks duo, DK Metcalf, wow, wow, wow. 
Betts, we talked in the preseason. I, I remember us going back and forth on this. Do we trust? Do we not? There's a lot of confusion on DK Metcalf. Everyone seems to either hate him or love him. And I remember saying, I feel like you either have to get on the train or you get off it completely. He's going to be a complete bust or he's going to figure things out and be yeah. dominant. Right now, he looks pretty dominant uh, across the board. He is really putting up good numbers, um, and he is winning the Seahawks games. So between those two guys, which one do you lean towards at this point? Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with Metcalf in that situation. I mean, the target disparity between he and Lockett isn't that big. I mean, nine last week for for Metcalf, just uh, eight for Lockett. So both guys seeing some volume. But the thing that I like more about Metcalf is the way that they're using him. They're drawing up plays specifically to fit his strength, which is beating guys deep down the field. We saw it work obviously against the Eagles because it's the Eagles secondary. Um, but this Packers secondary, yes, they're good. But ironically, their biggest strength right now is Tremaine Johnson, who's like 35 years old. I don't even know what he is at this point. Playing in the slot, um, and he's been super effective. So I think Metcalf can win on the outside. I like him a little bit more than Lockett this week, but I think both are pretty strong plays. I agree with you. I think Russ does do enough to make both guys viable. Go for it, Ben. Yeah, I, I think Metcalf is probably the right play just because if you're looking for possessions, if you're looking for 50-50 balls in cold weather um, in, in Lambeau Field, I, I feel like that's the guy that I probably want to go with. Um, you know, the, the numbers for Lockett over the last several weeks have been uh, pretty minuscule, and I know that you can always beat Green Bay deep, and, and their secondary has had some struggles, but nothing really overwhelms you, at least for the last three weeks with Tyler Lockett. Um you know, he's been targeted. The good news is that he's been targeted uh, an average of just under three uh, in the last three games, just under eight targets per game, but really hasn't done much with them. You know, the best game that he had was six catches for 51 yards and a touchdown in that loss to San Francisco. But right now, Metcalf is, is getting the, the opportunities, the volume. Um, and, and I like that play, especially probably more in the middle of the field. Um, you know, where, and again, I, I just feel like with, with Lockett, you know, um, it's going to be kind of boom or bust, uh, even with the amount of targets that he's gotten. But 21 targets, uh, 13 receptions for, for 241 yards in the last two games for DK Metcalf. There's a clear connection right now, uh, and Russell Wilson's going to try and, and maximize it. I like it. Um, running back position, a, a similarly interesting setup uh, from between these two teams in that Aaron Jones is clearly the number one option uh, across the slate. I'm curious to get your guys' opinion on on how much Aaron Jones you'll have in your lineup because it certainly seems like he could be one of the bigger booms on the entire slate. Um, but let's talk about also the rest of the guys there, both Jamal Williams on, on the Packers side of the ball and then whatever is going to happen on the Seattle side of the ball. Are you interested at all in starting any of those lower cost guys? I would say for me, I mean, to answer your first question, Okada, you asked how much Aaron Jones will we have. Uh, I will have a lot. I don't know exactly how many Aaron Jones is, uh, but several of them in my lineup. Uh, I might play two in one lineup. We'll see. Uh, but no, this is this is a great spot for him. I think he's going to be very, very effective. Um, Seattle, man, they are getting absolutely crushed when it comes to giving up touchdowns, giving up the league's second most rushing scores on the season. Meanwhile, Aaron Jones put up 19 total touchdowns this year. So um, I think that he has a great chance to score a touchdown in this matchup. I love him there. And his cost, you know, $7,400 against this Seattle defense, he has a chance to be the, the top scoring running back on the slate. Uh, and you're not having to pay up to get him. So I like him a lot. 
As far as any of the cheaper options, I actually think Marshawn Lynch is, is kind of interesting. I mean, I, you know, what is the upside at this point in his age? I don't know, but at least the overall trend is good for him, right? You mentioned already at the top of the show, he scored two touchdowns in two straight games. The other thing is Pete Carroll is coming out saying they're going to lean more on him in this matchup, and we know the way to beat Green Bay is on the ground, and what does this offense want to do? Run, run, and run some more. So um, I think he's a very interesting play. He's super cheap on DraftKings. I'm going to pull up his price real quick. Uh, just $4,800. So if you're looking to you know, stack um, a Pat Mahomes with Tyreek Hill, you know, you'll have to look for this, some of these guys. So I like that call there with Marshawn Lynch. I also like the over on his rushing yards, which is at just 34 and a half right now. So I think he can easily wow. get there. Ben, you willing to sign on with uh, old Skittles McGee here? <laughs> it's it's certainly tempting, although it almost does feel like Marshawn Lynch is saving himself for another gear when he gets towards the goal line. We talked about his you know touchdowns in the last two games that he's played for Seattle, and I think from a savings perspective, it's fine. He's certainly not going to do anything for you in the passing game, but uh, you know those six points and those red zone touches uh, are super valuable. But I I don't know how you fade Aaron Jones this week, guys, especially with the matchup against Seattle how much they've been stuck in the mud at stopping running backs all year. And, and think about sort of the Vegas game script here. Green Bay is favored by four, maybe four and a half in some places. It's going to be a close game, and in close games, they rely heavily on Aaron Jones. He's at over 250 yards in the last two games, uh, an average of 24 rushing attempts. He's still getting volume in the passing game. Uh, everything, and again, his price tag is only 7400 Um You were talking about prop bets earlier, bets. Um, I, I saw one, and I think Bavada had it. I don't know if it's still up on the board, uh, but Aaron Jones was plus 700, I think, and I'd have to go back and double check to lead all running backs in in, in rushing yards this week. Ooh. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I'd have to go back and double check. Yeah, right. Go ahead and just line them up. <laughs> um, considering, yes, that Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry are both on the slate, but it's just such a good matchup for Aaron Jones uh, in a game script that's likely going to be Green Bay on top controlling possession it's going to be a back and forth game uh i i don't know how you fade him at this point uh especially with that price tag like he's just one of those guys you just lock in and go i like it yeah uh if i were playing dfs if it was legal for me to do so i would be smashing aaron jones because i think he's going to smash this week unfortunately i'm not but you guys can all go out there and do it for me so please do do you not have a Um, a burner account yet what's going on (laughs) (laughs) not a one um Really quick before we move on, the tight ends. They're both ugly. Hollister and Graham. They're not doing anything for anyone so far, or for a while at least. But are either of you guys, if you're if you're going super cheap, willing to try one of these guys? I think so. I mean, Ben kind of hit on it a little bit earlier talking about Aaron Rodgers. But uh, Jimmy Graham, no, he's not inspiring at this point in his career. But we love the revenge game narrative, of course. Um, and the, the price is super cheap, $3,300. And, of course, the defense is the equivalent of the Arizona Cardinals when it comes to stopping the tight end. So I think that's a a probably low-owned tournament type of play, GPP type of move. And for Jacob Hollister, I think you can say the same thing. I mean, he was out there on 88% of snaps last week, and that was with Luke Wilson returning to action from injury. So uh, it's not a terrible matchup. Green Bay has given up 60-plus yards to six different tight ends over the last 10 games. So I like both guys as more GPP plays, but definitely I'm not going to be touching them in cash. Yeah, I think that's the way to go. At least with Hollister, you know that he's going to see targets in the passing game, and, and sometimes that's just not the case with Jimmy Graham. Um, you know, if you're looking at a prop for him to maybe 
get a touchdown, I think you might be able to find decent value there. But um, you know, no less than four targets for Jacob Hollister in his last three games. Um, you know, he's played upwards of, of 80 to 85% of the snaps uh, at the tight end spot. So uh, if you think Seattle is going to have to play catch up, you know that Hollister is a weapon for Russell Wilson in the end zone. And only 4,000, um, you know, amongst the, the punt options at tight end, he's probably the best of all of them. All right. Let's try to turn this around, boys. Let's make some picks here. Uh, personally, I feel like it's going to be a close game. Um, the minus four is the closest on the slate, although it's not incredibly close uh, for the Packers. Ben, we'll, we'll start it with you because you're the pro, even though we all were terrible. <laughs> oh, um, Packers and Seahawks, what are you doing here? I'm, I'm taking Green Bay minus four. Um, just because I, I feel like they have the capabilities. It, it's funny, these these teams, are they kind of feel like frauds despite one of them is a two seed and the other one, uh, you know, advanced on the road. And here we are with an opportunity to go to the NFC Championship game, and I don't think anybody is really completely and totally sold on either of these two teams. So I'll, I'll take Green Bay at home. Um, I, I saw a crazy stat. This is from the Action Network about Aaron Rodgers and, and his ability at home as far as covering um yeah this is from 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 Stucky over at the Action Network Aaron Rodgers at home has gone 53 30 and 3 against the spread the second most profitable quarterback behind only the GOAT Tom Brady um and that's covering the spread by by over a field goal per game so great stat from the Action Network and and I think once again uh, Aaron Rodgers should cover for Green Bay so I will take them at uh at minus four this week I like it, Betts. Yeah, I like that. I will probably go ahead and just buy a point to get to minus three. Uh, that way, you know, we can be a little more successful with the odds as far as a, a field goal win. So I like that call. I definitely would not be hesitant on putting it at minus four by any means. So I agree. I am taking Green Bay. And real quick, Ben, I did look it up. It is plus 400 right now on Bovada. So someone else got to it way before we did. Yeah, and I think there was another place that posted it uh, at plus 600. So it might have started at 700, down to 600, down to 400. Even still, 4-1 uh, to one for Aaron Jones to uh, to lead this week in rushing. I, I Sign me up for that. Uh, as for me, the Packers were my NFC champion pick. They will not be meeting my AFC championship pick because the Patriots are out. But the Packers are still alive, so I'm going to hold on to them and agree with you guys. Packers get the win despite a... Late comeback attempt from Russell Wilson. That's my call. All right. Let's go over to the Vikings and the 49ers. Now, maybe, I don't know, six to eight weeks ago, this would have felt like a hysterical situation because the 49ers were arguably the best team in the league, and the Vikings were the Vikings, and Kirk Cousins was Kirk Cousins. Right now, Kirk Cousins just won a probably the biggest game of his career. The 49ers have not looked as good, certainly not on the defensive side of the ball, over the latter half of the season. And this game has become maybe a little bit more interesting. Over under at 45, it's the lowest of the slate. Uh, 49ers favored by six and a half, so certainly they are still getting the love at home. Um, let's see. Let's kick it off with the most interesting guy to me, and that's Kirk Cousins, because he finally bucked all of the horrific trends of inability to win big games and won himself a big game last week. Uh, Bets, are you interested in Kirk Cousins against this once destructive 49ers pass defense, lately not quite as dominant. Yeah, man, good for Kirk Cousins. I mean, 
Seriously, like <laughs> everyone writing him off, no chance to win that game last week. And what does he do? Come out with his 1 p.m. Eastern start, as Ben called, uh, and put up a, a mm. solid game. And I love the, <laughs> the post-game uh, video in the locker room of him with the, you like that, <laughs> to all his teammates. Yep. That was fantastic. So good on Kirk. Uh, but for this week, not really. I mean, I do think there's a, a path to success for Kirk Cousins. I mean, he's $5,700 on DraftKings, so it's not an expensive price to pay. Seven of nine quarterbacks to finish the year finished as top 10 QBs against this defense. Now he gets Adam Thielen back at full strength, as we saw last week. But, I mean, you know, on this slate, for me, it's going to be hard to get away from Lamar Jackson. It's going to be hard to get away from Aaron Rodgers, as we've already talked about. And we're going to get to Patrick Mahomes here soon. So, certainly, if we're considering those all straight-up plays, he's way down at the bottom for me, four or fifth on the list um, of options this week, but his price tag is definitely intriguing. Yeah, it's a very intriguing price tag, but it's just such a tough matchup, especially if you consider how good San Francisco was in the early part of the season when everybody was healthy. Uh, and then think back to the fact that their bye week was in week four. So they've been playing a lot of games since, dealing with a lot of injuries. And yes, there was part of a reason why their secondary was starting to get torched. It was, it was a combination of fatigue and, and guys just being out. But now they have a week to rest up. They have cousins on film from the playoff game where they had to, to pull out a few more moves. And I, I do see a, a scenario in which Minnesota kind of playing with house money gets off to a hot start. Like I kind of like Minnesota uh, as a first half bet before San Francisco eventually figures this matchup out. But from a, a DFS standpoint, unless you think the 49ers are just going to put it on Minnesota and that the defense is going to revert back to what we saw sort of down the stretch of the season, um, I, I just don't see a path to success. I, I think Stephon Diggs um, it could be a bounce-back guy considering that uh, you know Thielen sort of led the way and Rudolph had the touchdown, and I think San Francisco is going to do a better job of taking those guys away, especially now that Thielen has been ruled questionable with an ankle injury. Um, I, I, I can't foresee a scenario in which he doesn't play, so maybe it's, uh, Stephon Diggs is able to get himself going, but it just feels like you know now the luck is kind of running out for, for Kirk Cousins, and he had a great win, a win that nobody anticipated last week, but I don't know if I'm willing to go ahead and roll the dice for the second consecutive week on Cousins. I did like him last week, though. Yeah, I think the roughest part of this situation by far is the return of D Ford and Quan Alexander for the 49ers. And Jaquaski uh, If you look at... And Jaquaski. Jaquaski. Tart. Tart. Yeah, despite the fact that there's no A, it's an I. I don't know what's I've going on I've never said his there. name out loud until right now. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> well um, however, they if you look at their the splits on the season with the 49ers defense and the fall off there and how dominant they were in the beginning of the year... It is very, very related to the effectiveness of their pass rush and how that effectiveness changed when D. Ford and Quan Alexander went out. And they have been out for now quite a while. Both are expected to be back for this game. And I think that makes a huge difference because the secondary is strong. It's pretty good. But the way that this 49ers team was dominating and holding teams to record low pass uh, production in the beginning of the season was that no one could stop this D-line, arguably the best in the league when everybody is healthy. Um, and so all those guys being there, and I'm not, I don't feel super confident in Kirk Cousins' uh, offensive line or Kirk Cousins himself and his ability to avoid the pressure, I think this could get ugly really quick for, with those two guys there. Not to mention the guys, obviously, like Bosa, who have been there and healthy. So... Uh, I'm with you guys. I'm avoiding Kirk. 
let's talk about his pass catchers. You guys both mentioned them briefly. Diggs, Thielen, with the injury concern, Rudolph. Uh, Bets, what, 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 if you have to pick one at their prices, which way are you going here? Yeah, real quick, we should just speak to Adam Thielen's injury. This is one that is, really shouldn't be a concern. He picked up, I think it's a cut on his ankle in practice this week, so that's why he's on the report. A severe cut, Bess. Severe let's, let's cut. Not, uh, let's not sugarcoat That's this. right. So so they'll do everything they can, obviously, to make that uh, situation you know, not an issue. So that's fine as far as your, your health concerns there. I don't worry about that at all. Stefan Diggs, this just feels like such a swing in the direction of, of pricing. I mean, $5,600. He was north of, I think it was like 6600 last week. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. but It was 6600 Thielen was 6200 Yeah. So, I mean, you're getting that big of a discount on a player who just complained the entire game why he wasn't <laughs> getting the ball when he's winning, which, side note, come on, man. Like, don't, don't do that. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. complaining the entire game, not getting targets, not getting the ball – at that price, I mean, I will definitely take Stefan Diggs or Adam Thielen if I can save that much money. Yeah, this is the the, the Ben agrees with Bet show, um, <laughs> which is which is really entertaining. Again, I, I appreciate you guys bringing me back on so I can agree with with everything. It just makes you me feel better about what I'm saying, Ben. Oh, good. All right, well, I'm glad that I can sort of provide that for you. Yeah, uh, and, and then my, my buddy Derek Brown, who who does great work over the Quan Edge. Uh, in his weekly uh, wide receiver cornerback matchup article, talked about the matchup that, that Diggs has against uh, Witherspoon with San Francisco. I'm not going to even try to pronounce it, his first name. I think it's, is it Akilo? Akello? Um, regardless. Sure. 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 Yeah, let's, let's, go, let's go with one of them. One of them could, has the chance of being right. Um, but Witherspoon is according to my, my buddy Derek Brown. Um, he's played man or a variation of press man on about 70% of the snaps since his return. Um, and, and that's where Stefan Diggs just absolutely thrives. It's a 65.5% pass catch rate. Four of his six touchdowns have come in man or press man coverage. And, and again, it, it's about how you feel like the narrative of this game is going to go. If Minnesota is likely going to be down, all the more opportunity for Stefan Diggs to be able to take advantage of that man press coverage uh, and be able to, to make some plays and, and get some touchdowns late in this game. Uh, garbage time is still money time in fantasy, as we all know. So um, I, I think if you're having me choose between those two guys and one of them doesn't have a severe ankle cut, uh, I'll go with <laughs> Stefan Diggs. Uh, Also, if you want to walk down narrative street a little bit, earlier this year we got a lot of the Stefan Diggs complaining party, and then he went out and had arguably the best stretch of the year by any receiver, destroying defenses, and then kind of disappeared again. So uh, it has boiled up to the point where he's started yelling at his teammates again. So maybe that maybe the squeak wheel gets the grease here, and he comes out and uh, and dominates. We will see. I like the predictions there and the pick. Uh, let's slide over to the 49ers. Uh, it's a bit more questionable situation as far as the skill position guys here. There's a lot of them to go around, which is so funny because that was not the case at the beginning of the year. Um, where do you guys turn to, obviously besides George Kittle, who's George Kittle, uh, where do you guys turn to among these skill position players when you're looking at building a lineup? Ben, we'll start with you. Well, it's tough. I, I think somebody like Mostert is intriguing because if we're talking about like Marshawn Lynch being involved, we have to go all the way back to uh, November 17th. And November 17th is relevant because it was the last time that Raheem Mostert didn't score a touchdown. 
Like two, mm, it's been one, a while. one, one. Like yeah, it's been a long time. Like this guy is their goal line back. And initially in the first half of the year it was Tevin Coleman and, and Brita started getting a little bit of run. And then Mostert's been that guy in the second half. So I, I for someone that only gets about forty to fifty percent of the snaps uh, and doesn't really do anything in the passing game, um, it's it's strange. But at fifty eight hundred for a pretty much guaranteed touchdown. Uh, it's something that you have to think about as well. Um, I'll also probably have some exposure to, to Debo Samuel as well. Um, yeah, I, I know that Sanders is an intriguing guy, especially um, in this type of matchup, the way that they move him around. Um, you know, he's always going to be in play, but but Samuel just has so many opportunities for, for big plays, and we'll see whether or not Xavier Rhodes ends up being on him. And Rhodes has just had a, a dismal season uh, mm-hmm. so far this year. Uh, so I don't know whether it's going to be a combination of, of Rhodes, whether or not... Uh, they're going to do uh, – I'm, I'm blinking out on, on the other Minnesota corner, but it just seems like deep plays, Garoppolo on play action where he's been so effective all year, uh, I think Samuel could have a really nice game. Yeah, I, I love the call up. And Debo, you know, it, it just is so encouraging. Mm-hmm. Like to watch the way that they use him in their offense is so encouraging. You know you're going to get six, seven targets, and you know you're going to get at least two rush attempts every single game with Debo one of those uh, pass attempts is going to be a screen. So, like, he's just safe in that he provides a floor of some yardage via the run- running attack, uh, also via those short and intermediate routes, but then also the deep ball, right? So he can do it all, and, you know, obviously the way they're using him, we're not worried about the matchup. I like Debo a lot. It's just $5,200 on DraftKings, and that's great. And, Okada, you mentioned George Kittle. I don't think we should undersell how great of a play he is this week. I mean, 6200 bucks, not breaking the bank, but then also looking at... I mean, this Minnesota defense against tight ends is definitely getting beat. They gave up the eighth most most receptions of tight ends on the year, and we just saw Jared Cook go 5 for 54 last week. Obviously, George Kittle, a far superior talent, and the way they use him is is way better than they use Cook. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love Kittle as a, a lock in, in all cash lineups. I also love him to play alongside another tight end um, in a flex in, in a tournament lineup, which I don't think will be very popular. So, I think that he is a smash start this week. Do either of you guys have any concerns about Dalvin Cook? Maybe a little. I know that the numbers look good, but I just don't feel like he was still running with the same authority that we saw for the first, you know, 11, 12 weeks of the season. And, you know, I'm sure, Betsy, you can probably speak a little bit more to it um, with your medical background. But, like, this, the recovery from – you know, that type of a shoulder injury it just didn't seem like he was barreling through the same way. And maybe that was by design, you know, why try to re-aggravate it if you don't have to. Um, but they, they, they didn't shy away from, from volume for Dalvin Cook. He ran the ball 28 times, uh, plenty of opportunities inside the red zone. Although if you remember, uh, the Vikings' first red zone opportunity went to Alexander Madison, I think both on first and second down before Dalvin Cook ended up coming back in. So something to monitor. There's always the possibility when you have like three of the same type of guy uh, for for Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison and Mike Boone that that vulturing could always come back and play. But, you know, it's it's a fair price tag for Dalvin Cook uh, in a difficult matchup against San Francisco just based on volume alone. But um, he's probably not my favorite play of the slate. Yeah, and definitely, you know, can we get another running back that doesn't look the exact same on the field? Like I cannot tell you when they're carrying the ball, which running back <laughs> it is until you see the number and the name on the back. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for, for Dalvin cook, um, Ben, I'm not sure if that's the series that he got taken out at the goal line. Was that when he got taken out because of his, um, his shield, they had to basically like 
fix it and give him a new one because of something got messed up with with his face mask. Oh, you know, you might you might be right on that. I, I just know that there was still opportunities for for Madison at the goal line. It, it might have been for that for that very reason. Yeah. But, um, it, it, that's that's also something that Minnesota's done throughout the season. Oh as well. yeah, no like, doubt, no doubt. So I again, Cook got twenty eight carries. I think he's still going to get plenty of the volume. He got like what sixty three out of their seventy something snaps. So. I'm not necessarily completely concerned. Yeah, 62 out of 79 snaps. Um, it's just always a theoretical possibility that Madison comes in and takes away that touchdown. Definitely. All righty, bets. Vikings, 49ers, six and a half. What are you doing? I'm buying a half point, and I'm going to the Niners. Ben? I've been. This has probably been the, the hardest one for me. I've, I've been going back and forth on, on this one since the beginning of the week. Um I think, I think I'm likely to go Minnesota first half. I, I know that's not necessarily what you guys want to hear, um, but then I do think San Francisco is going to start to pull away. So I'll if it's at minus six and a half, I'll, I'll take the 49ers um, in that matchup, and then Minnesota I still think has a chance to cover in the first half. If that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, it does. I think the Perfectly 49ers. Confusing. Uh, uh, Listen, the Niners are still going to win this game, but I think the Vikings make it a lot closer than both Vegas and I think the general uh, majority of people would say. So I will take the Niners, but uh, look for the Vikings to be close here. That's my opinion. All right. Really quickly, I do I do think yes. this is a screaming under game too, especially if you can get Ooh. it. At, especially if you can get it at forty five, just with with how often these two teams are running, uh, with mm-hmm. how well both defenses are, are projected to play. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just don't think 44 is going to be enough. I like that a lot. All right. Titans at Ravens. Uh, over-unders at 48, which is a little nicer here. Ravens favored minus seven at the moment. Um, this is kind of another... Uh, well, this is not the same as the Vikings Niners because the Ravens are not at all cold. There is no cold to be found in the Ravens game. Uh, or, yeah, they they are incredible. However, the Titans are very very hot. Um, certainly, their offense has been extremely good. They were they didn't explode against the uh, Patriots from a point standpoint, but Derrick Henry certainly did, and they scored enough to win. And Ryan Tannehill still playing at a very high level. Um, let's start with Tannehill and Lamar. Ben, what are you going uh, at the quarterback position in this game? the prices yeah the the problem about lamar is that it's 8400 so if you want to be able to get some of those some exposure to a lot of the other impressive running backs and wide receivers on the slate it's going to be tougher to do with lamar um you know ryan Tannehill is three thousand bucks less and depending on sort of where you think this game goes if baltimore is blowing them out you know Tannehill could get you some some garbage points and they can start to go really pass heavy and uh, they just he didn't do anything against New England, and a lot of his inflated numbers towards the second half of the season were against bad defenses and bad pass rushes. You know he was great on play action this year, but you know if there's a team that understands how to defend play action, it's Baltimore because they've seen Lamar Jackson be so effective with it. Um, you know all season as well. You put up great numbers against Houston and against the Raiders and the Colts and the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Carolina. You know, and then all of a sudden the the Patriots are, are up against him, and he goes eight for fifteen for for seventy two yards. Does throw for a touchdown, uh, but only ran the ball four times. Even though his athleticism has the ability to be able to allow him to escape, um, I, I I just don't envision a scenario where unless 
you think Derrick Henry's just not going to touch the ball enough, and he touched it over 30 times last week, that Ryan Tannehill ends up being an integral part of, of the game plan here. So I think it's Lamar and Cash. Certainly you can make the argument between him or Mahomes, or if you want to try and, and be a little bit on the cheaper side with, with Watson or Wilson or Rodgers. Um, but it, Lamar's clear in a way that the safer play, and, and even with at that price point, he's exceeded uh, his salary value in almost every game this year anyways. All righty, I like that. Bets. Mark Ingram, we need a little uh, little lowdown here wow. on what to expect. I'm not sure why you just went to Alabama <laughs> or Florida or anywhere that's south of. Uh, well, Mark Ingram, uh, didn't he go to Alabama? He did go to Alabama. All right, there you go. Roll there you go. Tide. There you <laughs> go. Roll Tide. Yeah, man, Mark Ingram, that calf injury has me very worried. Uh, I know that all the reports right now out of Baltimore are saying it's it's not a big deal. You know, it's it's just a little tightness early in the week. Calf injuries, man, they, those are just as bad as hamstring injuries when it comes to risk of re-injury. And we can't forget the fact that he felt and heard a pop in his calf in week 16, which is not that long ago. You know, you're looking at a few weeks and for any type of injury that actually causes that degree of sensation for the athlete to feel and or hear, you're looking at at least a grade two strain of that of that calf, and that's an ideal recovery timeline of six to eight weeks. So I'm nervous about Mark Ingram, man. If he plays, he is a very, very risky option. Certainly for me, if I'm playing any cash lineups, Mark Ingram won't be in them. Ben, if we get close to game time and it's not 100% clear... Are you going to be throwing any Gus Edwards anywhere? At 4,900, probably not. Like if it were like sub 4K, um, like Justice Hill is 3,900, and that was a guy that I was pretty big on at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, then I'd maybe have some interest, but I, I, I don't know, guys. I just feel like it, it's going to be the Jackson show. And, you know, Mark Andrews should be able to just thrive against Tennessee secondary. And, and we'll see what happens uh, with any of the wide receivers here. Um, yeah, I guess Gus could get upwards of, of 15 to 20 carries. I, I just don't know what that game plan might look like. But 4,900, like, Marshawn Lynch is 4,800. Like, who, where, what direction would you guys rather go in? Would you rather take Marshawn Lynch? Uh, or would you rather take Gus Edwards with uh, Mark Ingram having a questionable tag on him? Oh, that's tough. I mean, obviously, mm. I think personally, if he gets rolled out, then it's an easy decision to go with Edwards. I, right, I agree. But, I mean, yeah, at that point, I will probably just stick with Marshawn, especially if, it, if we're talking any cash lineups. But in tournaments, you know, I, I think Edwards could be a sneaky play there. I don't think he'll be very high-owned because people are going to say, okay, Ingram is in, you know, Edwards is off my board. Whereas he could come in and, and take two carries and be injured, and then before you know it, it's the Gus Edwards show. So I think it's a sneaky play. That's fair. All right. Since we clearly can talk about all these players for about seven hours each and are really eating up the time here, <laughs> give me give me your guys' uh, favorite picks from the rest of the skill position players that we haven't talked about. Who are you targeting uh, throughout both teams? Ooh, I, so I guess I guess I'll start. Um, you know, do I do I fade Derrick Henry for the second consecutive week? I, I think the answer mm. is actually still yes. <laughs> no, um, I know that, that you know after what he did last week and, and proving me wrong, you know he's going to be a part of the game plan. But I, I still need to make sure that that Aaron Jones is involved. I suppose you could make an argument to have both Henry and Jones in your lineup, and then just trying to figure out the rest, but. Um, certainly in tournaments, I, I think I'm going to go Jones and probably go elsewhere. 
Um, I, I really do love Mark Andrews this week against Tennessee. I, I like the volume that he's received. I like the fact that he's an absolute red zone monster for Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, I, I think especially in the last two weeks before the, uh, the Steelers game where he didn't play, um, plenty of volume, three touchdowns, just averaging about 14 and a half yards per reception. Um, he's, he's the trusted target in the red zone. I do think Lamar's going to throw for a couple touchdowns as well. So uh, give me Mark Andrews is probably my, my favorite of all the skill position players, even ahead of Derrick Henry. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Mark Andrews uh, is in a smash spot. I will also say in tournament lineups, Marquise Hollywood Brown is very interesting. He's cheap. He's $4,400. Really and it, obviously we're projecting Lamar to have a great game. And you look at what Lamar has done in starts coming off of extra time to prepare. So either a bye week or playing on Monday, uh, you know, after a Sunday game or, or Thursday, of course. So in those games, four games, 894 pass yards, 73% completion percentage, 14 passing touchdowns, no interceptions, two rushing touchdowns. And if he's going to throw for multiple touchdowns, one of them is going to go to Marquise Brown. Wide receiver ones have destroyed this Titans cornerback group Michael Thomas went nuts DeAndre Hopkins went nuts Zach Pascal went nuts Will Fuller got deep for five for 61 so I'm not saying he's on their level of course those are the best receivers in the game but his speed is unmatched and I think he can get deep in the secondary the 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 problem about Hollywood Brown being so cheap is that everybody I think is going to say this is Mm -hmm. my um lottery ticket for the week yeah that's fair and so even and again like he's he's a great tournament play but i I do think ownership is going to be high on him because people are going to be trying to find one area to save a buck um and they'll say like okay i could get you know hollywood brown for for 4400 maybe Corey davis at at 3700 is another area that you might consider things and, and they'll go for the home run play um, and I just think a lot of people are going to see that from a similar perspective. It's a good play, especially with the, the type of upside that he has. But I think he's going to be more popular than, than maybe a lot of us are, are led to believe. Yeah, that's fair. All righty. Let's do some pickage. Bets, we'll start with you. What are you doing? What's the spread on this game? We got Ravens minus seven. Minus seven-ish. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take that. I will take Ravens in this game. So I've, I've seen the number climb all the way up to, to minus 10. Whoa. Um, Ooh. Yeah. And, and so if it's minus 10, I, I still am leaning towards Baltimore. But if, it's my, if, we, if we get to go with minus 7, then I'm going to be all over the Ravens in this game. So for purposes of this podcast, uh, let's take Ravens minus 7. But, um, you know, right now with the total climbing to 10, uh, I think this is a great, great teaser game uh, to go ahead and move Tennessee up to plus 16. Uh, and maybe that total uh, up to around 53 and a half, 54 and a half, and take the under uh, against two teams that are about as run heavy as anybody. Yep. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I really like that call, Ben. Here's the thing Derrick Henry, as we all know, gets better as the year goes on. And this is the latest we have seen him. And we saw it in the Patriots game. He is a monstrosity. And people trying to tackle him at this point of the year. Now, the Ravens have had a week of rest. That might help, but it is rough to bring this guy down. I think there's a good chance that they try to ride him early, and he has a lot of success, just like we saw with the Patriots game, and they, they hang in this game a lot longer than people think. So I like it. Uh, all right, let's swing over to the last game. Texans-Chiefs, 48.5, somewhere around minus 9.5 for the Chiefs. Biggest uh, spread on the slate, which 
well, we'll get to this later because I don't want to spoil my pick, but I don't like that very much. Um, let's start with the quarterback because they're super exciting. Uh, Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. My favorite note of the week is they were born three days apart, which is oh. the closest matchup ever in the playoffs. Interesting. Yep. Uh, ben. Also drafted what you... three spots apart. Ooh, draft, very true. What are you doing here? What, uh, what's your preference? My preference is still Mahomes. I know that the Chiefs haven't put up as good of offensive numbers at home, but uh, I'm going with the downfield abilities of, of Tyreek Hill against the uh, Texans secondary that has been torched all year. Travis Kelsey has been playing as well as anybody down the stretch of the season uh, from an efficiency standpoint, from a target level. Um, you know, the, the minimum amount of targets that he saw um, <laughs> since um, last year was in their final game against the Chargers, and that was five. You know, so every Jeez. game he's had more than five targets all season long. He hasn't had the, the same amount of touchdowns that we're used to seeing from Travis Kelsey, but just the ball finds him, uh, and it's going to go to him. And at only 6,400, 6, uh, I think it's a really compelling argument between who you like more between Kelsey and Kittle. Uh, if you're playing Mahomes, it's obviously a, a great stack from, from that perspective. Uh, with Watson, you know – Kansas City has struggled all year long at stopping the run. I don't know whether or not that necessarily comes into play um, against quarterbacks. I'd have to do a little bit more research into that. But, um, you know, Watson for, for three quarters watching Buffalo's defense really didn't do much. And then all of a sudden, you know, Buffalo started to screw things up on offense and, and gave him life, and he was able to make something happen. So I still think Watson puts up some points. Obviously, the total is likely to reflect that uh, based on the Vegas numbers. But I, I feel much more secure uh, with Pat Mahomes, even at about a $700 increase in price. $800, excuse me. All righty. Uh, what about the running back situation? Especially, uh, Ben, to your point of the Chiefs defense, Carlos Hyde and or Duke Johnson, if you expect them to be trailing for a lot of this game. What are your guys' interest levels in either of those guys? Bets, I'll throw it to you. Uh, non-existent. I, I just... Okay. You know, I mean, Carlos Hyde is what he is, like... It found the end zone last week, but it was only on a, on a pass uh, attempt, which is kind of crazy to say. The matchup is good against Kansas City, but I do expect him to be trailing. And just, man, it's so tough to watch him. Like, And it's not even his fault. Like, He's had a great season, and he's played very well when no one gave him a chance to. But Bill O'Brien, man, the dude rips off like a freaking 14-yard run, and what does he do? He puts the ball back in Carlos Hyde's belly. He's tired. He gets a, a one-yard carry, and he's out for three plays. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel inspired by Carlos Hyde. I think he's going to struggle. We know Kansas City uh, at home plays way better defense, and they have been absolutely crushing it when it comes to defensive performances. So I have no interest in Carlos Hyde. If I'm going to go down that low, I'm going to hopefully play Gus Edwards without Mark Ingram. I'm going to hopefully play... Uh, Marshawn Lynch so that's kind of where I'm at in that price range yeah I mean Duke is such a tease right because he just continues to impress and, and O'Brien continues to to be a donkey and not play him and they're right around that same price point 5k for Hyde 4700 for Duke and you know even if Houston is trailing it just he hasn't been targeted at the levels that we would expect in the passing game um, you know, really throughout the entirety of the season, a couple games where he had, you know, six targets and eight targets, but, um, you know, no more than, than 68 total receiving yards. And that was a, a big win against Jacksonville. You know, more, most of the time it's around 20, 30 yards. So it's just nothing really inspiring. Carlos Hyde, for whatever it's worth, did have a second best performance of the season against Kansas City. 
I don't know if you can necessarily call it a revenge game because he spent the preseason in Kansas City before he was dealt to, to Houston. Uh, but he had 26 carries for 116 yards and a touchdown. Uh, also had one reception for 14 yards as well. So there is a small sample size, a one-game sample size of him running very well against Kansas City. But um, at, at that point, they were still struggling with their defensive identity under Steve Spagnolo. And certainly in the second half of the season, Mahomes coming back, they, they figured out a lot of things on both the offensive side of the ball uh, and on the defensive side of the ball. So, yeah, it, it's hard to get excited for either of these two Houston running backs. Well, Ben, I liked the argument already, but you helped make it a little bit more. I'm going to make this our one point of disagreement, apparently, on the entire podcast and say that I really like Carlos Hyde here. Uh, I think that they are going to want to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. I think the Chiefs' defense, yes, it is good, and yes, it has gotten better, but that other game was also at home, and they rode Carlos Hyde, and it worked. They won that game. And uh, besides uh, Hyde's 116-1, Watson also had 42-2, and Ben, to your point of how does the rushing defense affect the quarterback. Two touchdowns for Deshaun Watson and 42 yards on the ground. I think that they are going to try to ride that as much as possible, keep it away from this op- kind of opportunistic defense and Mahomes' arm. Uh, and I think that Carlos Hyde might be the way to do that. So I could see him being an interesting play. But moving away from him, uh, Chiefs running backs. Any interest there? Yay, nay. Oh, yes. Ooh-wee! Damian Williams right now is only 23 and a half receiving yards is the prop on Damian Williams. Last week I said I hammered Devin Singletary's over on rushing. It just missed. I'm going back with a hammer, uh, a lock of this because, man, his usage in recent weeks with the team just completely fading LaShawn McCoy, he's not even on their mind as a starting option. They don't trust Darwin Thompson in, in pass protection. And you get Andy Reid on a second uh, a second chance, basically, against this same team. Now he knows who his running back is. Damian Williams is going to go absolutely bananas in this game. And he's cheap. He's only, I think it's $6,000 6K, uh, yeah. on, uh, on DraftKings. So, yeah, man, he is definitely going to be a, a staple in my lineups this week. Yeah, you found the 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 golden goose of, of prop bets. You said it was a, a total of what 23, 23 and a receiving half yards receiving for Damian yards. Damian Williams. That's pretty incredible. You're right. The usage rate has been sky high over the last few games for Williams. I think they've come to the realization that Lashawn McCoy uh, no longer the answer, uh, and really breakaway speed too. Now the the other thing too is that. Um, the last two games, 27 reception or 27 yards receiving against the Bears, 30 against the Chargers. Um, that's in a total of, of seven catches and 10 targets in the last two games. And uh, they'll use them, especially against Houston's defense. I, I think that's a fantastic prop for this week. And, and yes, at only 6,000 bucks, sign me up. He's going to be super popular. He's going to be super chalk. But, but at this point, I don't care. Do you guys have any extra sleepy sleepers between these two teams? <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> you're gonna go. You're gonna go back to the uh, to the Darren Fells train, Mr. Best. Ooh, oh, God. I mean, I, t- I did bet the over on two receptions last week, which hit. Um, but man, I don't know. You know what you're gonna get, right? It's it's three, four catches at most, and, and you're hoping for a touchdown with Fells. So probably not. I mean, with just how many options there are with Mark a- uh, Andrews, and you know, we talked about Jimmy Graham as a sleeper tight end. So probably not with Fells for me personally. One thing to note, and I don't want to get your guys' temperature here, is Will Fuller is expected back in the lineup. I talked about it last week with the hamstring concerns, but, I mean, you look at 
the options at that price range, and it's hard to get on board with anyone else not named Hollywood Brown. Ben, do you have any interest in Will Fuller this week? In in deep tournaments, maybe. But then again, like for, for $700 less, you can throw out Sammy Watkins as well, who's playing way more snaps, um, who's seeing more targets on the field than, than Watkins. The problem is that Sammy Watkins hasn't scored a touchdown since week one of the season. Maybe the playoffs is the perfect time to unleash him. You know, maybe he's inspired by Clemson once again being in the national championship. Um, you know, for, for $4,300, he's actually less than Hollywood Brown. Um, and so maybe you can make an argument that with the amount of time he's on the field in that type of matchup against Houston, uh, he's a sleepy sleeper, Matt, as, as Matt likes to put it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, neither of them are particularly inspiring, but maybe if you just, ah, oh, crap, I got 4,300 to use. Who am I going to throw in? Oh, I guess I can throw in Sammy Watkins, or I got 5K lying around. All right, let's, let's throw Will Fuller in a tournament lineup. I, I think that's how, how, how I'm approaching these guys this week. Eh, I buy it. I buy it. All right. Uh, let's make our final pick. Let's round out our probable 0 for 4 again. Um, <laughs> Bets, we'll start with you. What are you doing, Texans Chiefs? Uh, currently 9.5. I put this out on Twitter after the, the game when they won against the Bills, knowing that they would face Andy Reid at home coming off of a bye, who we know is historically dominant uh, in winning and losing record as well as against the spread. You could tell me the spread is 17 points, and I would take the <laughs> Chiefs. I am definitely taking the Chiefs here uh, to cover. Wow. Ben? It's it's 9.5, which is a, a weird place to be. Um, yeah, I, I do think I, – I think if it gets over 10, I'm probably leaning Houston and not liking the pick. So at 9.5, I'll, I'll still say Chiefs. And again, uh, even though the, the total looks really high, um, with the Chiefs not necessarily – being as dominant on the offensive side of the ball at home, um, you know, if this number continues to climb maybe above 51 and a half, I think the under could also be in play here. All right. I'm about to get some wildness going. <laughs> Listen, I picked a lot of favorites last week and it didn't work for me. I think the Texans have a very good chance to win this game, okay. let alone cover. So I'm going Texans by a good amount. I think Deshaun Watson... Puts his team on his back. We saw what he did last week. He should have been sacked. That was disgusting. That made Eli Manning's escape and throw look like child's play. He was sacked <laughs> by two guys at once and still got away. He is a miracle worker when he wants to be. And I think that they are going to be able to run on this team with a little bit of success. So I'm taking the Texans, and I may even take them uh, just to win outright. Perhaps no, no way. No, 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 no. Way. no. But but I sneakily think they're going to be very close in this game. So, if you were to take the Texans to win straight up, you're basically getting them at three and a half to one. So mm. maybe, maybe, just maybe, that's a really interesting play by you. I don't know. I mean, uh, technically, I'm not allowed to do it, so I'll just if, slip it to my if, bets. If right, if okay. you were, <laughs> Okada, you can just um, bet on me. I'll do it for you. Got it. <laughs> All right, that is all the games. We have done all the predictions. In fact, we were only in an hour and ten minutes, which is five minutes less than last time, so go us. Uh, quickly, defense strategies. Let's take up this whole five minutes talking about defense, shall we? Uh, what are you guys doing here from a DFS defense standpoint? Ben? Well, I mean, I, I talked about going with New England last week, and um, you know, I, I thought they were going to force Tannehill into a bunch of turnovers. They got one. Um, certainly weren't the best play of the week, but probably the safest. 
So Baltimore sitting there at 3,600 is the most expensive defense on the board. Um, you know, certainly you feel decent about them. I would say um, if, the, if there's other two outside of the, the chalk play at Baltimore, um, if you think San Francisco is going to put up a, a major fight, they're going to sack Kirk Cousins a bunch of times. He's not a good quarterback with a bunch of pressure. I think that's probably the highest upside defense. And then Deshaun Watson, even though he escaped that sack, still hangs on to the ball for far too long and, and takes a bunch of sacks as well. Yep. Um, I don't like Kansas City as much as San Francisco for talking about value and upside. So it's my probably my favorite defense on the board this week is San Francisco. I agree 100% with that. Do you uh, have any alternative uh, I don't opinions? disagree, but I also like the Packers, you know, $2,800. They're not too expensive uh, on DraftKings. And, you know, you look at the, the offensive line, defensive line mismatch there for mm. the D-line of the Packers versus the, the offensive line there of uh, Seattle. And they may not have Dwayne Brown back for this game. We're not sure as of yet. He's coming off a of meniscus injury and surgery from late in the year, and he didn't play last week. So, uh, certainly, if he's out, you like that call a lot more. They already have two backup players starting in this game on the line. So I like that call there to get after uh, Russell Wilson a few times. One one real quick note before I screw up the us getting out ahead of last time. <laughs> um, another great stat from the Action Network is what quarterbacks in their first postseason start have done. They are 15-32 and 32 straight up and 13-33-1 and one against the spread. Wow. So, Maybe Minnesota's defense could possibly be in play against Jimmy Garoppolo making his first career start um, in the postseason as well. Maybe that's not a good opportunity for Jimmy G. We've all talked about the five straight interceptions in the preseason. Maybe Minnesota uh, is that surprise defense of the week. I like Mm -hmm. it. I do too. All righty. That wraps it up. Uh, Very fun. Very divisional. We will (laughs) hopefully have more success. Yes. (laughs) This week, with well, there was no division between the three of us, unfortunately, but there is a lot of divisional action going on this weekend. So, check it out, get some action yourselves, uh, play some DFS. It is fun, even though I can't do it. Sadly, I will live vicariously through all of you listeners. Um, also, quick note: the Red Shirts Patreon, uh, very interesting place to check out, especially when Dynasty starts to roll around, because the chat that you get access to, the Slack chat. Dynasty is going to get popping in there. People t- asking about prospects, uh, where are people going to go? We're going to start talking about you know free agents and their contracts. Where are they going to go? Rookies coming in. It's going to be fun, uh, super fun time of year, and that's a good place to be for it. So check that out. Uh, Bets, any final words from you? Uh, yes, along those same lines, John Helmkamp, new member of the team, that mm. dude's awesome, is bringing hey, his running back rush rating to Patreon for the Red Shirts Pod. So if you want access to that and so much more, patreon.com slash redshirtspod is the place to go. There is rumblings that he will have Ooh. the incoming rookies running back rush rating metrics for us. So, uh, John, hey. if you're listening, you're the man. I can't wait to read that stuff. Uh, it should be great for all of our listeners. I like it. Ben, how about if our listeners want to uh, check out a little more of your stuff, follow you, where should they be going? They can go to the tweet machine at Benny Heiss is where you can find me on Twitter. Same thing uh, on the Instagrams. Um, and yeah, occasionally there's pop-ups just like this podcast where there's some live streams and, and previews and bad bets and 
maybe occasional good bets as well ahead of all the different NFL action and always plenty of, of anybody if they're looking for, for NBA and college content as well. Uh, right over at, at uh, Benny Heiss on Twitter is where you can find me. Mm, great call because football is about to end, guys. It is sad. And then you're going to have to find something else like basketball, that silly round ball sport. Uh, no, it's great. Thank you again for coming on, Ben. Great to have My you. Pleasure, Very guys. fun. It's a lot of fun. Thanks, Ben. Uh, we will see you guys all in championship week. Hey, wow, that is here uh, next week. Until then, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.